Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to episode three of S Club, Citywire Wealth Managers podcast series, which takes a deep dive into the world of social impact investing. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Nick Samuels, Head of Manager Research at Reddington. As well as leading the manager research team at Reddington, Nick is also chair of the firm's Responsible Investing Committee, and he'll be answering our questions and talking all things social impact today. Nick, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, could you kick us off by firstly giving us an overview of Reddington as a firm and then your role within the firm? Thanks for having me, Ross. Yeah. So Reddington is an investment consultant and uh, we are advising pension schemes, endowments, wealth managers, family offices uh, on their strategic asset allocation, um, but also then how to implement that asset allocation, uh, i.e. through third parties, managers, funds, uh, which is where my team comes in. So, you know, think of us as the as the fund selection team, really, um, within the firm. Um, 19 of us on that team. Um, it's a growing team as well. We're, we're adding some more resource through, through the year, so we'll be up to about 21, 22. Um, which is pretty big for the investment consulting industry. And um, we cover pretty much every asset class that you can think of, um, all the way from listed equity through to private credit, uh, renewables, infrastructure, uh, you name it, really. So we, we cover pretty much everything that, that, that you can think of. Okay. And where does ESG investing come into this? And then, you know, in terms of definitions and stuff, what is, what is ESG investing to you? So ESG, it, I mean, it, it's actually a really good question because it clearly means lots of things to lots of different people. And so one of the things that we're really trying really hard to do is just be very precise when we're talking about things like ESG, SRI, responsible investing, et cetera, et cetera. So for us, ESG is about the integration of those factors, environmental, social governance into your investment process. So it's for us, ESG is very much an integration uh, in, in our process, in an asset manager's process, in our client's process. How are you thinking about those risks and potentially opportunities from environmental, social and governance um, risks effectively? Um, and and that, that's a big part of our assessment of every single strategy, every asset class that we cover, we're thinking about ESG. Um, and and how that affects the uh, outcome of that of that strategy. Okay, and of course, our purpose today, we're going to take a dive into the world of social impact investing. Now, if we almost take that as a subcategory of the social aspect of ESG, um, do you think the S in ESG gets enough attention? And then within that, are there any areas of S that you think are deserving of more attention? I don't think it does get enough attention. I think it's great that you're doing a podcast purely on this because the E is is dominant. Um, it it, it kind of makes sense why the E is dominant because we in recent years you've obviously had something like the Paris Agreement. So there is there is a common theme, common framework for people to get their heads around, and we're able now to price the risk of environmental to to a greater degree. Um, so we can now stress test our portfolios and say what's going to happen in a fast transition, slow transition. It's really hard to do that with S. It, you know, it's hard to put a price on what's the effect on my portfolio if um, you know such and such happens in you know if there's a human rights abuse in the supply chain of one of my companies. You know that is much harder to put a price on, and so that's why I think it's taken a backseat to to the to the E really in 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 that equation. Um, but that said, we do 
have strategies we've researched strategies that are very much s focused um something like social housing is something that we've done a lot of work on recently um and we've got uh clients looking to allocate to that space pretty much right now actually um and that there's a risk and return argument to that which is very very strong on its own right but the added benefit to that is having this social impact on top and so you're starting to get strategies being launched that are much more s focused um but they are fewer and far between certainly compared to to environmental strategies excellent and to narrow that down even further to just social impact investing um what are the goals of social impact investing and how do they differ from you know more more traditional strategies so a social impact strategy will will look to have that that risk and return focus um but also in addition have an intentional social impact as well, i.e. Uh, having a, an effect on the human population or a subset of the human population. So, for example, um, we have strategies like um, renewable infrastructure. They're creating a new uh, asset class, which is clearly helping from an environmental point of view. But one of the other aspects of that is job creation, for instance. And so the, there's also an additional social impact to that, i.e. they're creating jobs in a, in a, in a certain area. Um, and so that can be one of the social impacts from that. The, um, the other aspects are more from a sort of risk point of view that you often see. So uh, human rights abuses in the supply chain is something that comes up time and time again. And that doesn't have to be in an impact strategy. That That is a risk in every single strategy. If you're buying a corporate, be it equity or debt, there is a chance that somewhere in that corporate supply chain, there could be some human rights abuses or, um, you know, some um, other kind of social issues that, that might come up, uh, be it through their products business model, etc. And being aware of those and understanding those is crucial. And trying to actually put a price, we talked earlier about how hard it was to put a price on social, but trying to put a price on, on that, what happens if this goes wrong? What happens if there's legislation that affects my company in, investment uh, to do with the social impacts that that's having um, on, on the products that it sells? You know, th those sorts of things are really, really important um, in, in any strategy to to take into account and i don't think it's the top of most investors minds um and so it's definitely something that needs to kind of make its way to, towards the top mm -hmm. and i'm sure a lot of people agree i'm sure you agree as well that in terms of these goals of social impact investing often they are a lot easier said than done um, and there are various hurdles to them being achieved so just to touch on you know those hurdles what what are some of the biggest hurdles to them being achieved I think the, the the collation of the data is is a big problem. So often these conversations that we have are much more kind of qualitative in nature, quite anecdotal often. And if you think about a, a pension fund or an endowment or a wealth manager, our type of client base, they've got lots and lots of different um, investments and they want to see what their overall portfolio is doing. Um, you've got now a framework like this, the... Um, the SDGs, the UN SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. That's a very nice way of sort of shining a, a light on the various ways in which you can have an impact as an investor. And so lots of our clients are now starting to say to us, well, why how, can I map my portfolio to the Sustainable Development Goals? And can I see what sort of impact uh, my investments are having? 
which is a you know absolutely totally fair thing to ask and want to do but actually the problem is then the data can i get my data uh, across all of these different issues what am i looking for what does good look like and um how how is that changing year on year where am i where am i seeing imp improvement improvement what, what's my manager doing um and at the moment we're really struggling still to get the data across um across asset classes so that's that's a big hurdle i think um and once you've got that once you've done the measurement then i think you can start to make decisions on the back of that okay which of these shall we target um you know what what do we care about as a as an organization and can we then start to engage with our asset managers so that they can do something about it within their portfolios so we're just we're still one or two steps away i think from being able to do that unfortunately but it does feel like we're getting there yeah yeah fingers crossed we see some you know progress on or rapid progress on the data front in the near future um the next thing i wanted to touch on was how this all varies across asset classes yeah, it, it, it varies a lot. Um, so the big, the big issue, the big divide that we that we see is between listed uh, instruments and private instruments. So if you think as a shareholder of a stock, um, you, let's say you buy a company that's doing some sort of good, be it environmental or social good. If you're when you buy those shares, you're actually just buying them off someone else. Someone is is selling you those shares. So actually, there's no benefit to the company itself from you buying those shares. You will benefit from them in if in time that they're doing the right thing and that leads to superior uh, performance of the actual company itself. But you're not making the impact. The company's making the impact. Now, in private assets, that's a bit different because your capital is going into the company itself and helping to finance um, you know, some, some new development. Um, you know, like for our social housing list, for instance, you're, you're literally building, you're paying to, to build new houses to people. So that, that's the direct impact you as an investor are making. If you buy a listed housing firm, you're, you're, just, you're just buying shares in that from someone else. So you're not making any contribution. So that's quite a big uh, issue for, for investors to get their heads around. Am I making the impact, my money, or am I... Um, simply benefiting from the company making the impact. And a lot of investors want to make impact with their money. Uh, and that kind of forces them into the private area or um, engagement is, a, is, is the kind of 2021 in particular. What's my asset manager doing to improve things? So I can, so once you're a shareholder and you're on that roster, you can then start engaging with the company and you can then get them to change, get them to improve their supply chain, whatever it may be. And then you start to make a difference. But it's that it's that engagement. It's a slower burn, takes longer, but that's really important. So understanding what your asset manager is doing there instead can, can be a way of making impact. But it's just very, very different. The other interesting angle is uh, equity versus fixed income. So I think fixed income investors traditionally have thought that engagement is a thing for the equity guys because you know you can vote being an equity holder but you can't vote being a fixed income investor but actually you can have quite a lot of influence on a company because a company in the debt market is coming back quite frequently to refinance so they come back and tap the debt markets quite a lot whilst they're doing that you can be talking to the company and start to build in certain issue you know measures of, of things so you know yeah we'll lend you money 
but we want you to do this, this, and this. And that could be improving social outcomes, that could be improving employee welfare, could be employee, you know, could be environmental outcomes. And you can actually have quite a lot of influence as, 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 the, as the buyer of the debt. Um, and that the fixed income world is just starting to come around to, to sort of realizing that they, they do have quite a lot of power in their hands as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's, there's no one size fits all from an asset class point of view. Um, and, and our job as a manager research team is trying to figure out where the bar sits in each asset class because it's different. So we don't want to hold um, equity investors to the same standard that we're holding property investors because it's just a different asset class with different options um, available to them. And, and understanding that difference is, is, is kind of key. Of course, of course. And just to delve into that uh, manager selection process a little bit deeper, um, are there any particular social issues that you think it's key that a, that a manager considers? Or does it depend on, you know, the, the demand? Or does it depend? Does it come back to the STGs? Um, are there? Yeah. Are there any particular social issues? I think from from our client base and, and us as a firm, the the two big social issues for us um, have been uh, both diversity issues and they've been gender and, and racial diversity. Um, we've been pushing our managers in terms of the way that they run their own businesses to be very cognizant of, of these types of things and, and trying to really hold their feet to the fire to, to, to see how they can improve. But then also as owners of underlying companies, either the equity or the debt, they then have an influence on those companies. And so what are you doing to, to help push those um, issues there as well? So that's been a really, really big focus for us. Um, we published a responsible investment report at the end of last year where we surveyed um, over 100 different um, asset managers on diversity issues. And, and we asked them those, those two sort of categories of questions. How are you running your business? How are you assembling your teams? Um, and how diverse are you there? And then how much does this make a difference in terms of your underlying investment decisions? Do you care about diversity, for instance, there? So that's been a really, really big focus for us. And one of our kind of main sort of social pushes um, in, the last, in the last couple of years, um, you, you'd have seen uh, movements like um, 100 uh, black interns, or now I think 10,000 black interns, because um, they were so successful. That was our, our co-founder was um, also the co-founder of that. So we've obviously signed up to that, but we then went out to our asset managers as well and said, hey, you know, have you seen this? Would you consider doing this as well? Um, so that was really important for us. Um, and then so outside of diversity, then then certain issues pop up. So you've got things like the um, Yiger uh, labor camps in China, for instance. Big story, um, clearly a, a very difficult issue. We started getting questions from our client base about that. Um, particularly as we, we allocate to Chinese equities. Uh, we you know, think strategically that's a really interesting um, allocation for clients. But of course, instantly they saw the headlines and said, well, hold on, what, what about these, these issues? Are, am I invested in companies that, that have these issues? Actually, it turned out it wasn't the Chinese companies that had these problems in their uh, supply chains. It was the large uh, US and, and European listed corporates that had the issues in their supply chains. Um, and we pointed, we went back to asset managers and said, do you have any exposure to these Yiger's um, labor camps? And quite often there's the response back to us was, we don't know. Um, and then a month or two later, they go off and they've, they've done the research. Then they come back to us and go, yeah, actually it turns out we did have some um, exposure to that. And we're now going to do this, this, and this um, to, to, to try and sort it out. So that, that was 
you know an example of of us kind of engaging with the asset management community to make sure that these issues are highlighted and and um, you know we'll continue to do that uh, as and when things pop up but I, I think our big themes are still are still kind of you know diversity for the next for the next year diversity and, and inclusion uh, together I think is is an important important one for us excellent that is that is good to hear um I just want to touch a bit further on impact measurement so how do you expect fund managers to measure social impact given what we've said about the availability of data and the fact that often this is this comes down to what the underlying holdings actually disclose how do you negotiate these problems it's yeah it's 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 hard and and what we're trying to to do is create some sort of standardization which um is not there yet i think the, the sdgs are handy in that they give you a broad framework for it but then with under each sdg you have a a number of sort of sub um, categories where they measure them the problem is that those sdgs weren't built as an investing framework uh, they were really built as a kind of political framework and so some of those measurements just aren't realistic from a from a kind of corporate point of view so what we're trying to really do is just ask each manager to come up with uh, an impact measurement that's relevant and then try and standardize that across 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 other asset managers so um taking the 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 property example um from earlier you know the, the social housing list that we that we had you know that one was relatively simple in that it was a case of how many people have you ha you know housed or rehoused and, and and you know just trying to find that quite basic statistic is where you need to start hopefully once we've got that done then we can we can layer on on top of that eventually and, and try and get deeper more more richer data um but the measurement is hard and i don't think you can just rely on the data it, it that is going to for the foreseeable future going to take a blend of qualitative understanding and the quantitative together in order to paint the, the picture um, but all of this stuff is being worked on all the time. There's a number of groups that have been set up to help standardize that, both on the asset manager side, also on the investment consulting side. We're part of a, a big um, investment consulting group, uh, which, which was set up last year to help do exactly that. What, you know, let's ask the same questions. Let's use the same templates. Let's ask for the same data. Let's talk to the um, asset managers using the same language, because that way we'll, we'll achieve all of this stuff quicker than if we're all asking for different things. Um, and that's that's been really good that, 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 that we've all these consultants have come together to try and do that. Um, so hopefully, you know, if we were talking in 12 months time, we would have seen quite a lot of change um, in, in the data and the measurement side. Yeah, it's actually something I'm quite excited to see how it evolves, you know, it seems to be evolving rapidly. So fingers crossed. Um, one thing we haven't touched on yet is inauthenticity. So, you know, managers pretending to be something they're not for obvious reasons. Um, I'm sure you've got some experience with this. Um, have you ever avoided a fund due to inauthenticity? Or do you have anything anecdotal there? Yeah, we, we, we do. I mean, we have a screening process, so they tend to drop out at that kind of fairly early stage where you can see that they've simply changed the name of a fund. You know, it used to just be the Global Equity Fund. Now it's the Global Sustainable Fund. And, yeah. and yet it's the exact same team with the exact same managers. And, and you think, well, hmm, that feels like it was just simply a rebranding exercise. Um, so that that is that's that's typically quite easy to do. What you don't want to do, though, is throw the baby out with the bathwater in that because you do have firms that are going to be launching these strategies and they're genuinely 
trying to do the right thing and just because they don't have 10 years history of doing that doesn't mean that they shouldn't start now because we need an awful lot of capital um thrown at the sdgs every year for the if we're going to achieve them in the time frame that we do so actually we need lots of managers to change their ways and their processes so lots of people will call that greenwashing i'm like well yeah some of it is blatantly greenwashing if you're just simply changing the label on something sure that's greenwashing but actually a manager coming to market with something new uh, you know we need to, we need to look at all of that kind of uh, one by one and, and make sure that it, it you know it, it is um it is a genuine thing so we've we've definitely um we definitely screen people out there we've we've downgraded a manager um last year on diversity grounds um we've we've added diversity to our own investment process um as a much kind of clearer um factor basically that we're gonna we're gonna look at and there was a uh, a us based direct lending manager that we uh that, that you know was pretty good um and we've we'd had a rating on for a while we went to new york and sat in on one of their meetings and we um we tend to do this in the in the, in the investment process we'll just go and sort of be a fly on the wall basically of, on an internal meeting when when we're allowed not not every manager likes to let us do that and what was just very stark when we entered the room because the meeting was already happening when we walked in there was literally 30 middle-aged white men around a table all pretty much even dressed the same you know they all kind of had like the same check shirts and 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 gilets on right i mean it was it was yeah, just, just bizarre so homogenous yeah <laughs> so homogenous it was crazy and you know i was there with um, a female colleague of mine and she just she whispered in my ear she's like i'm the only girl in the place and and i sort of looked around the room and was like wow that is just so odd you know you just don't expect that in this day and age and um you know, we, we then did some digging and we kind of probed them on their hiring. And, and basically, it just they just didn't really think about this or care. And actually, they kind of liked the fact that everybody was from the same background and thought the same way. And, you know, we just looked at it and went from a purely investment point of view, it, would that be how you want to run your money? You know, when you're making these decisions, do you not want a bit, you know, someone else to come in with a different viewpoint to you and challenge your views just to make sure that they're the best possible investment decisions that they can be um and you know they just they just didn't really care so we so that was a reason to downgrade and i guess we just hadn't picked it up prior to that because we hadn't it wasn't just quite as stark as that um but going there and and like seeing that in action was just it was just quite shocking actually um so that's definitely been been a um an example of that um, and I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll, as, as we get sort of deeper into the into the E and the S in particular in in, in, in investing and, and as more clients want to move to net zero, for instance, and, and all of that kind of stuff, we'll, we'll, we'll have to downgrade a lot more on, on these types of issues because um, it's just the way that the, the world's going. And, and if an asset managers not keeping pace to that, then then they're going to they're going to lose assets, basically. Or it's just not the world we live in anymore, no. or maybe it is, but it, it won't be for very long. No, crossed, ho ho so. well, hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully, yeah. One thing, just before we finish up, just to bring it back to the client side, um, you mentioned earlier about you know certain social issues that you you hear a lot from clients at the moment. But I just want to see, you know, which social issues are they speaking about the most at the moment, and have events of the last year changed that at all? 
Yes, I think um, certainly the Black Lives Matter movement has brought the diversity question to the fore, which has been great to see. Um, there's there's a, uh, an asset owners group that's been formed on diversity. Um, we're obviously not an asset owner, we're an investment consultant, so we're not part of that, but we've been, we've been speaking to them and um, really impressed with the work that they're doing on, on diversity. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple of groups that are coming up with a kite mark now, potentially, so that you can... Um, you, you, you can put that on an asset management fund or the firm itself and, and clients can then get comfort that, that the manager is doing the right things. So that's that's been brilliant, brilliant progress, I think, um, all in quite a, a short space of time. Um, so they are the ones, if there was a theme, I would say it was the diversity, both both gender and and race diversity is 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 what clients have been focusing on. And so to reflect that you know we do we do the same you know we, we're also sort of looking at those themes and then you just get the the sort of more individual idiosyncratic kind of client um issues so um tobacco pops up you know from time to time um you have um certain sort of medical issues as well that that certain clients it often depends on the corporate that is backing the pension scheme or the endowment like the purpose of the endowment itself you often get that um so there'll be there'll be sort of more specific things that then a client asks us to take into account as we're giving them investment advice but they are quite quite anecdotal you know they're quite um varied i guess um that there's a, there's a whole host of issues out there and and different people focus on different ones um, which, which from where we sit is really interesting because it means that we get to kind of think about a whole, whole raft of them. Um, but you do, you, know, you do kind of have to prioritize. You can't unfortunately hit, you know, 50 different social issues all at the same time because you sort of water down the message. So there, there is a bit of a ranking prioritization that has to naturally occur. Um, which ones are we going to try and fix first, basically? Of course, of course. Well, it's great to hear about the positive developments on the diversity front, definitely. And let's hope that continues. Um, and with that, episode three of S Club comes to an end. So thank you so much, Nick, for joining me today. Yeah, pleasure, Ross. Thanks for having me. And thanks to all those who have tuned in. And until next time. Mm -hmm.